Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about uh, this week in racing and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> joining me in the studio, Luis Torres and Richard Uden. How are we doing, guys? We're good, thank you. We're good. You're doing pretty good. How are you, Frank? <laughs> caught a little t- tickle in my throat just went on the air <laughs> hey i've got i've got me a cough drop so uh don't worry i don't have them covids just my throat's just a little dry uh but anyway so this weekend we had the uh grand prix of the united states uh after a one-year layoff when uh, formula one didn't travel uh very much beyond europe last year in the pandemic so uh uh formula one returned to austin texas at the circuit of the americas to a wonderful crowd, uh, 140,000 plus on race day, um, estimated 400,000 over the three days, which is mind boggling. And somebody speculated that that may actually be a record for, uh, you know, the weekend attendance at a formula one race. Now I don't really know. I haven't researched that a lot. I mean, I've seen some crowds at Monza that look like Woodstock, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but certainly, Certainly very successful event from the, the point of view of attendance, um, not to mention just the, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the sites and the visuals and the, uh, the ancillary events, uh, the, the celebrities, um, you know, you got, uh, I, I got such a kick out of seeing Shaquille O'Neal deliver the trophies. And when he's standing next to Max Verstappen is on <laughs> the top, top step of the podium and Sha- Shaq is uh, standing ground level and he's the same height. I mean, you know, just the, the visual was amazing, but I, I, you know, a wonderful race and the United States has had this on again, off again, um, history in formula one, you, you know, the, uh, uh, just in the, in the modern era, the championship era, which began in 1950, the, the first thing they did was they made the Indianapolis 500, um, eligible for points for formula one. And that lasted for 10 years. Um, obviously it was never considered the U S grand prix or a grand prix at all, because there was very little crossover. Very few of the, the European guys would come over and run the Indy 500 and very few of Jim, the Jim Clark and Graham held are the only two that I can think of of any note, aren't they? Yes. But this is, this is after, after that period. 
Okay. This, this is how we're talking from 1950 to 1960. Uh, okay. If, yeah, if, yeah. yeah if, if you won the Indy 500 from 1950, 1960, you are a counter as a Formula One race winner. Yep. That is yep. correct. Although it was never considered a Grand Prix. So that's, but they finally, you know, got it together to have an actual U.S. Grand Prix in the late 1950s. I think it was 58. And they, they went to Riverside. Uh, they, they did again the following year at uh, Sebring um, and back to Riverside. And then in 1961, they moved the race to uh, Watkins Glen, where it, where it remained for 20 years. And it was a very popular event. Um, a lot of times it was the season ender. Uh, it was a site for a big party uh, for, for all the drivers at season's end. Uh, occasionally there was, you know, maybe Canada or around in Japan will come after Watkins Glen, but there was always the big party at the Glen at the Seneca Lodge. And um, this is this chronicled in the, in the film rush, if you'll see that, but it was a, a favorite of the fans, favorite of the drivers uh, during that year. But as time wore on, and uh, this is right through the era where there was a lot of concerns about circuit safety. And Watkins Glen was right there, right there with uh, suspect safety at, at the circuits. And, and, you know, when, when push come to shove, the amount of money they would have needed to put into that place after 1980 or 81 to uh, kind of move forward was cost prohibitive. The owners were struggling a little bit financially. So from there, you know, there was there was no U.S. Grand Prix again until 1989 but there were formula one races in the united states because the official u.s grand prix was only held at uh, you know riverside and uh, sebring watkins Glen, and then in the 90s phoenix then indianapolis <laughs> and on, on to austin now because formula one has that little rule that you can't have two races with the same name the Long Beach Grand Prix ran eight times beginning in 1975, and that was known as the United States Grand Prix slash West. And then we had the Caesars Palace Grand Prix and that ran twice in the early 80s. That was a parking lot race in Vegas. Seven times Formula One ran in downtown Detroit. Uh, that was known as the Detroit Grand Prix before that uh, morphed into an IndyCar race and then moved away from downtown and uh, now presently resides on Belle Isle, although they're talking about moving it back downtown as an IndyCar race. And then the, 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 the one-off Dallas Grand Prix, which uh, if you never read up on that or have seen any video from there, this is the race they should have canceled Friday morning when they got to the track. Um, this, this is a race that never should have, uh, never should have happened. Somebody's, you know, 115 degree ambient temperature in July in Texas. The track was breaking up the moment they put cars on there. I believe this is the same race. Also, where Senna hit a wall in practice, and we when he came back to the pit, said, "What happened?" He said, "Well, the wall moved." Yes, and <laughs> and and they they said, "Oh, you're nuts! The wall didn't move." They thought he was joking, but the wall moved. That's how shabbily this thing was put together because, you know, so had uh, somebody else hit it earlier and then they rebuilt right. it and moved it back and put it in the wrong place. Yeah. Senate was so precise. Senate <laughs> was so precise. Uh, you know, he, he would memorize. He knew exactly where to turn, exactly where his breaking points were. And then then he hit the wall and he said, well, yeah, the walls moved. It wasn't there last time I went on. So but, uh, it's the yeah. kind of stuff they emphasize in photo meetings on street courses. You don't put your props in there because there's this occasion or the case if they hit the wall it could move oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah so but anyway so you know Watkins Glen 
disappeared. Uh, Long Beach turned into a uh, Formula One race. Those other races were short or turned into an IndyCar race. Detroit turned into an IndyCar race. Caesars Palace also, I think, ran IndyCars for a time or two. Um, I think it was only yeah. once, and that was in yeah, 07. Yeah, Dallas was a mess. And then uh, Phoenix was a street race they ran two times. And then, you know, there was another gap with no Formula One in the United States until – we went to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where they built the infield road course just to host Formula One. And we ran there for a number of years, I think seven. Yeah. About seven 2000 years. 2000 through to about 2008, yeah, seven, 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 seven was yeah. it. Seven was it. Yeah. We had the, the Michelin debacle. Uh, yeah. And then the next year, they give everybody free tickets that had come to the race the, the prior year. And then uh, another gap until they built a circuit in Austin. And has been there since 2012 and uh, you know again just an amazing event um it looks like formula one is very secure and successful in the united states as of now um with them getting set to uh, run at miami next year as well uh we'll see how we do there that's another going to be a bit of a purpose-built you know part purpose-built part temporary parking lot course but um yeah, so Richard, now the race itself was yes. also was also oh yeah pretty darn good to watch. And you got you got uh, the two guys that are fighting for this title, um, you know, right there together on the track. Yep. So so go ahead, go ahead, take us through it. It wasn't too shabby, was it? Um, so on the uh, you know Friday morning, it was it was a strange one. Friday morning, those Mercedes like bolted out of, uh, you know, out of the box in, uh, in free practice one. And I think they were almost a second ahead of the Red Bulls. And we were, I was sort of, you know, sort of thinking, oh boy, this is, uh, you know, this could be a bit of a procession here because Mercedes certainly have found some pace in the last couple of races with some, you know, potential new engine maps and engine modes and these upgraded components that both Hamilton and Bottas have taken with their respective engine penalties. And, uh, I think, well, maybe they're starting to stretch their legs a little bit here and and, and really sort of uh, show what they're capable of. But uh, it, it turns out that maybe there was, there was two factors. Maybe firstly, um, you know, Red Bull had their engines turned down a little bit. And as we found out later in the week, uh, Mercedes felt that they were a little bit too aggressive uh, with the setup on the car, especially with the uh, rear suspension. Um, Coda has a, has a history of being a relatively bumpy circuit. I know it caused havoc when they had the Moto GP there uh, earlier in the year, and uh, obviously bumps for uh, Moto GP are a little bit more significant to, than bumps to a single seater, a single seater car. So, you know, it, but it certainly did play an impact on it. We remember back to Sebastian Vettel having a suspension failure there a couple of years ago. So, Mercedes appeared to have gone a little bit aggressive with their suspension setup, and and they sort of dialed it back a little bit, which. Undoubtedly cost them time, uh, and also Red Bull did find some time. and And going into qualifying, it really was anybody's anybody's game, I think. And uh, you know, we saw Sergio Perez had been been strong all weekend, and you know he could have snatched pole there towards the end, but it, it ended up being Verstappen and, uh, and Hamilton one two with Bottas. I think he finished. He qualified fourth, but with an engine change, uh, did drop down to to ninth. So, you know, you had your two championship protagonists there on the front row going into uh, arguably one of the most uh, demanding first corners on the, on the calendar when it, when it comes to overtaking opportunities. Um, you know, the pole positions on the outside of the corner, second place guy starts on the inside line, which is always, always sort of 
confuses me a little bit. Although the outside is admittedly the racing line, which is in theory cleaner. I, I don't think that really causes an issue these days as much as it did in previous years with the, or, you know, not even the previous years, but 10, 15 years ago, the, the dirty line doesn't really exist on the formal grids anymore. So maybe they need to look at it in the future and, and um, you know, give, bit of, give a bit more of a benefit to the pole sitter there and put him on the, on the inside line. Um, but, uh, but Hamilton got a great start, you know, it was a little bit of a, re, you know, a couple of tenths of a second faster on the reaction turns compared to Verstappen and, and managed to take the lead going into turn one. And, uh, you know, they, they, they sort of, you know, had pretty broad shoulders and they, you know, pushed their elbows out a little bit, but nothing crazy. Um, and it was pretty clean, good, close, clean racing, you know, especially when you consider what we've seen at Monza and Silverstone earlier in the year, it, you know, they, they, they were pretty well behaved, both of them. Um, you know, Verstappen could, could sit in that like sort of one second window pretty comfortably. Uh, you know, he was on the radio quite early there saying that he was quicker than, um, you know, Lewis and he just needed some clean air and um, Red Bull pulled the undercut. They, they pulled him in early, uh, got him back out in some clean air and uh, yeah, was, was pretty, pretty damn, uh, pretty damn impressive with some of those lap times he put in when he got onto the hard tire for the second stint. Uh, Lewis stayed out a few laps longer and when he eventually pitted it, you know, that, that two second lead he had a one second lead dropped into a drop back to a, a six second deficit almost. And yeah, the tires were two or three laps newer, but he was never really able to gain. He, he gained a little bit, but then it sort of settled down into this status quo again for the middle period of the race. And, uh, 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 and then it sort of changed a little bit. I, I think again, Red Bull was scared of, of, or not scared, but conscious of, of Hamilton pulling the undercut and pitting early. So they pitted early, uh, which gave that Hamilton basically the only opportunity he had was to run longer and lose more ground, but come out towards the end of the race on fresher tyres. Uh, and that's exactly what played out. I think he was eight or nine laps later than, uh, than Max in his stop there. And, you know, he was able to gain about half a second lap, but you've got to give, you know, a huge amount of credit to Verstappen. He managed his race and he managed his tyres incredibly well on that final stint. So much so that when Max got, oh, sorry, when, when Lewis got within a second, second and a half, two second, that, you know, window with four or five laps to go, Max was able to control his pace and, you know, control his power delivery into the key areas of the track that, basically prevented uh, Lewis from, A, getting in the DRS zone. And even when he did, you know, Max had got that, uh, you know, very, very aggressive exit off the, off the slow speed corners onto the long back stretch there. And, and Lewis wasn't able to make a move. And um, it was a fantastic race. I mean, we, we talked about it on this show a number of times already this year. This season will go down in history, I think, in many, many ways. You have two generational talents and that's no disrespect to anybody else on the grid right now but 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 lewis and max are head and shoulders above anybody else they are generational talents and they are pushing each other to levels that neither of them have ever driven i mean both you know who's who you know formula one now does this driver of the day well who was driver of the day that i i you know although yes max won the race lewis didn't make a mistake you know, Max didn't make a mistake. Both of them drove flawlessly for 60-odd laps or whatever it was, nearly 60 laps. 
Um, yeah, and, I mean, and, 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 Max, Max really looked like he took a couple pages out of Hamilton's uh, playbook there because you could just see yeah. how, you know, we've, we've been watching Max for a number of years now, but he's still, he's still rather young. He still doesn't have that first championship under his belt, but he's, you know, he just keeps, as he matures yeah. and he learns, and I'm sure all those times that Lewis beat him, he's, uh, I, oh, you yeah. know, he take, take it, yeah. take it, take it some notes. And, and yeah. my gosh, you know, when you, well, when you look at the drive that both of them put on it, you know, this, you know, that's championship caliber oh, drive right there. Both of them. Hesitation. And the thing that was, was most striking to me was Sergio Perez was third, 40 seconds behind. Now Perez is a pretty, you know, he's, he was quick all weekend and yeah, he had a few issues during the race. He, he lost his drinks bottle, which I know doesn't really sound much, but you know, th- these guys need all that hydration and fluid. I mean, these are, these are, are athletes and they're sort of programmed, if you like, to those levels of precision when it comes to their fluid intakes. So yeah, it was an influence and definitely he would have lost some performance by not having that uh, fluid intake for, for a long period of the race. But still to be 40 seconds down is a huge deficit. You know, we're not talking about Formula One in the 1980s when only three cars finished on the lead lap. You know, normally the top 10 are covered by 40 seconds, not the top two, not the top three. Um, so those guys, you know, Lewis and Max are just pushing each other and pushing each other. And we are incredibly lucky to see and have those guys racing neck and neck week in, week out. We are, we're blessed. You know, we really are. I say in, in years to come, we look back on this year, this season as, as a classic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of Perez with the drink bottle, I just, I just had to bring this up because uh, somebody had posted a little meme and I thought it was quite funny, uh, but it's a picture of uh, like Perez in car camera. And then the, there's the big Heineken banner and the, the <laughs> thing over the track that says, you know, if you, if you drive, don't drink. And they said, poor guy had to look at this every lap. <laughs> yeah. so I thought it's it was, not, I thought it was funny. Yeah, yep. It's not the first time that Parrott's got third in that large of a gap. I look back to Bahrain 2014 while Hamilton and Rosberg were battling for all their lives in that epic classic duel. Paris yeah, yeah. was just like around the same margin as he finished yesterday on Sunday, 40 yeah. plus seconds. It's the, it's like, the machine, you know. But yeah, I mean, back then he was in a in a force injury or whatever they were called. No, for Hamilton. sure. And now he's in equal machinery to Max. And, you know, it was, but again, and th- this is, you know, goodness me, this is no knock on, on, on Perez at all. It, t- to my mind, more than anything, it highlights the level that these two guys are at. You know, they are on another, you know, th- th- they are. No, absolutely. Yeah. Even on and the you opening. You can't put it into words. It's, it's incredible yeah. the level that they're driving at right now. Yeah, like in the opening lap, it looked like a one glimmer of hope. Paris was about to overtake for step, but I felt like there was yeah. that immediate he knew mistake. That, yeah, he, uh, he, yeah. Knew which, he knew which way his bread's buttered, didn't he? He knew what to do there. Yeah, he knew that immediate <laughs> instinct. It's like if Max is ahead of, if Hamilton's ahead of Max, then back off a bit and just stand there exactly. just in case they took themselves out. Yeah, every yeah every every several years you've got this great rivalry between two guys that are so good. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you, if you look at Schumacher, right? He, yeah, he, he wasn't really challenged uh, like Lewis is being challenged right now. But but you go back no. to like you know, Prost and Senna was a great one. Uh, you know, Stewart and Fittipaldi, 
Um, yeah. Jim, Jim Clark and Graham Hill, uh, you, you hear guys that push one another. And, and again, here we are seeing this in, in our lifetime in modern Formula One cars. Uh, and it's just, to your point, it's, yeah, it's incredible to watch. And as we met, you know, I mentioned the other week on the show where, you know, whoever loses this battle, is there any more left in them? You know, is there any, you know, Lewis has often talked about, you know, when, uh, Rosberg beat him, it took him to another level because he was so determined to improve. And, and of course, Rosberg retired and stuck his middle finger up at Lewis and said, screw you, you know, you're not going to get a chance to beat me. Um, you know, is this going to be the same now? Does Lewis have another gear available to him? Does Max have another gear available to him? If if they don't, uh, you know, whoever loses his championship, where does it leave them? I think, I think Max has more... You know, obviously Lewis is you know relatively old. You know, in, in the grand scheme of things, he's I think he's thirty six now. So, you know, does Lewis have the ability to go away from a, a defeat, a potential defeat this year, and uh, you know, and, and come back because it's not, you know, at, at this level, it's not the physical fact of losing; it's the mental fact of losing as well. I think, which is so detrimental for these guys. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I think uh, yeah, Lewis will come back stronger if he loses this one to Max. He, uh, Lewis could still win this, but you know, Max has stretched his lead a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, but I mean, incredible to watch, incredible event, um, and just it's it has all the NASCAR guys scratching their heads. Why? Why can't we put on an event like this? I think it's somebody said, is that is that because they they come here once a year and we've got thirty eight shows. I don't think it's got anything to do with that. I no, really no. I, I highly that. There is nothing in, in a country this big. There is nothing to stop. Now, yeah, you're You're probably not going to get 140,000 people at every cup race. You know, I get that part of it. But there's this, and I think I think it's it's um, NASCAR are trying too hard to do something that they're not anymore. They're trying to be the good old boys racing from the 1980s and 1990s, it's, which is great, but that's not what, A, that's not what the sport is, and B, that's not what the fans want. You know, or the, the certain section, they're trying to pander to a certain section of the audience, which is disappearing. Now, Formula One did a recent fan survey, and they had over 150,000 responses to this. And it showed quite markedly that the fan base in Formula One is getting younger, which is great for the sport long term. Now, if you look at NASCAR, it's going the other way. Young people aren't coming into the sport because it's the same old thing week in, week out. Nobody, no, I'm not saying nobody, that's the wrong word. But, you know, on the whole, mile and a half racing is not as entertaining as close combat street course racing and you know oh, you I, start- I, I agree with you it just uh, there yeah and also you gotta consider the packages war and other stuff has worn thin on a lot of people yeah the fans you know, but, but in all fairness the fans don't care about that the fans don't know what aero package a cup car is running you know what generation chassis it is. Or no, sir, it's, it's more or less on the purest, the uh, the older yeah. people but, rather but, than young. But I, I, but you know, it's, it's very. I, I think you know you don't want to sound disrespectful to these people, but screw them. You know, <laughs> I hate to say it, but NASCAR needs to look after itself, 
And it needs to look around the world and see what other racing series are doing and see what other racing series are doing well. And you look at the uptick in, you know, in, in, in um, attendances and TV viewership of IndyCar, that should start to tell you something. You know, they, 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 the, the concept of these, you know, good old boy racing and, you know, the, the, the fighting in the pit lane afterwards and all that sort of stuff. Why do you not get, you know, I, I'm sorry, it's, it is all manipulated, okay? Every single racing series in the world, pretty much, you never see some of the stuff going on in the pit lane that you do at a NASCAR race in terms of drivers fighting and finger pointing and all that sort of stuff. And it's got nothing to do with the drivers. It's all, you know, it's like watching wrestling, you know, which isn't really wrestling. You know, it's all scripted. Well, it's I mean, all- you know, NASCAR has been compared to wrestling for years. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's an entertainment product and they, you know, they, they put that out there. But, you know, to your point, the, the, the generation that loves that. They don't is, care anymore. Is, yeah. Becoming, you got the whole. You know, all these younger people are interested with technology. They're interested with access, uh, access other than, you know, watching on NBC. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah, they but gotta, also, look, what channel was the Formula One race on over the weekend? It was on ABC. It was on uh, prime time. You know, I mean, when I turn my TV on, that is the first channel I get. You know, that is number one on my list of TV channels. It's not because I watch it a lot. It's just that is, you know, one of the prime uh, TV networks in the US uh, and NASCAR sort of on it exactly. It'd be interesting to see that actually, uh, because you know, the Formula One and NASCAR did compete with each other over the weekend, and I'm pretty certain I know which one have got the biggest viewer figures. Yeah, well, both well, of them yeah. Were on national, na- national TV. No, the yeah. um, no, the NASCAR race was on NBC. Oh, for, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, right, it was right, on NBCSN, right. but yeah, I mean, you, I mean, that, generally, this speaking, was the last one on NBCSN because now. It's all NBC and then USA takes over the NBCSN slot next year. Yeah, yeah, NBC. Right, right, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, to your point, I mean, yeah, they most of your Formula One races in the states are on ESPN two, and they're also on at like you know eight in the morning. So, but they but they still draw. But doesn't doesn't that tell you something about it though? Yeah, they still draw good good ratings. Yeah, you get sociable hours, you know, on ESPN or ESPN two at. At eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, and then, but even but when you have a prime time race, it's still drawing such huge crowds. And I actually had a couple of friends go that had never been to a Formula One race before, and they were like, "Oh my god, this thing is amazing!" You know, they were blown away by it because it's a spectacle. You know, and I'm not saying that Cup racing isn't impressive visually because it is, but it doesn't like make you sit up and go, "Wow." It doesn't have that wow factor anymore because there's so many things, so many other things out there that do have a wow factor that it's trying to compete with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's and to your point. This is why yeah, IndyCar is gaining traction, you know, after, after years of being in the dumpster in the ratings, they IndyCar actually does have a bit of a wow factor compared to NASCAR or sports cars. You know, they're, they're not quite at the level of formula one, but uh you know, some of the some of the shows that IndyCar puts on are are pretty darn good. And even you know, like if you look at like Nashville, where the race was a little embarrassing, the the event the event was a phenomenal success. Yeah, but you see, it's, I was just thinking actually, it'd be interesting to get your guys' take on this. Maybe one of the problems with NASCAR 
is that it is stock car racing. You know, the whole concept of it is we want to sell cars, so we want to race cars that look like the cars we sell. But you look at Formula One, you look at IndyCar, you look at IMSA, for example, they all look completely different. That wows people. You know, do people really want to see a Toyota Corolla racing against a Ford Fusion? Not really. Not really, yeah, but I mean, that, that concept had its time. Exactly. You know, was, but yeah, what the old, the old, you know, when it went on Sunday, sell on Monday, but I mean, a stock car it has, hasn't been stock since, oh, probably the 50s. No, or, or early sure. 60s. Yeah, I mean, they're sure. yeah, yeah. As the quotation yeah. goes, they're testing stock on a stock car. No, of course just, not. No, of course not. But, but it just, it's, certain things crack me up, like you know, they, we have de- decals of headlights <laughs> and exhaust yeah. pipe. We have decals of exhaust pipes on the back of the car when you, you know the actual exhaust comes out the side. You have decals of door handles. Uh, you know, just you're. It, it's a race car, making a race car, but. Yeah. But well, but, there, 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 but yeah, but there is a whole set of folks who long for the old days, no. and they long for long for the the guys like, uh, you know, Dale Earnhardt and Richard yeah, Petty, yeah. and then they they long for the stock and they long for the. But it's you know so it, 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 it had its time. It was great in its time, but NASCAR hasn't kept up with the times. And to their credit, I mean, they've tried to spice up the show with the uh, with you know the the playoffs. Um, They've added several more road courses over the last couple of years, you know, and, and I think the next gen car is going to be more like a proper race car. But, but, but so, so why, you know, let's, let's go completely sort of left field here. Why didn't they just go down the IMSA model? Get rid of this concept of stock car racing. Just get be done with it. Okay, you may piss off some of your audience, but geez, there's not much of an audience left to piss off, is there? So let's go completely new. Let's go for a a carbon composite, you know, IMSA style car and and really push that these are racing cars. They're not, you know, then, you know, really sort of do something different, revolutionary. Because otherwise, the, the sport's going to continue to, to, to go by the wayside compared to, you know, Formula 1 IndyCar and IMSA to a certain extent, because, especially with the racing fans, because of what it is. Do you think that, you know, you, you know 90% of the people in the grandstands would rather watch a car that looks like an IMSA car with good racing than a stock car with crap racing? Or manufactured, or just like no passing, despite how close they are. Yeah, you know, do something. I think if this next gen car doesn't, you know, take off in the well, hopefully it never takes off. You know what I mean? But you know, in the, in the next couple of years, really sort of start to create really, really good racing. I think they've got to look at something different. And you know, the LMP cars—they are phenomenal race cars. They really are. In some ways, they're faster than IndyCar in many set of circumstances. So, you know, and they, they race around Daytona on three quarters of the oval. It, you know, there's nothing to say you couldn't race those on an oval. And uh, let's just do something because otherwise it's just going to continue to circle the drain and eventually it's going to get sucked down it. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, like prior to the Gen 6, as far as the no, I know it's mostly the nose more than anything. The last time they looked anything like what you saw in the street was when they downsized the cars in the 80s. That's 40 years ago. Yeah. And it Even, just doesn't matter. It really, yeah. you know, I, 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 I Hell, just, the chassis has been almost the same for about half a century until oh, yeah. now. Yeah, the, the, the suspension, the truck car suspension at the rear was from a 1950s Ford F 150. You know, it's, it's, it's as old as the hills. You know, why? It doesn't matter. You know, it really doesn't matter. Do something. Don't, they, they sit there with the, you know, the, the, the governing bodies, you know, at NASCAR sit there with the head in the sand thinking, oh, we've got to make these cars look like, like street cars. Well, you know what? They're, they're not kidding anybody. They're not street cars. So why try and pretend something and just go completely off off the off the grid and do something because it's not going to make it any worse than it is now i'll tell you that much all right thank you for the rant richard always appreciate a good i always appreciate a good richard Uden rant but yeah, uh, yeah yeah so to your point we did have a nascar race this weekend <laughs> and it well, was like there. there we go yeah so uh three in a row for kyle larson he is just uh dude's on fire he's 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 uh Unbeatable, so he's prevented anybody else from locking themselves in the chase or into the into the finale. Um, as we head to Martinsville, which will be a very interesting race, you're going to see a lot of guys uh, uh, just trying to clamor for those last you know three spots behind Larson. Um, and you know Larson's probably no slouch in Martinsville either. The dude's kind of shown us he could he could win about anywhere. Um, yeah, I don't know if, I don't think he's got a Martinsville win to his credit, uh, but no, not yet. The, the way he's running, it doesn't surprise me. So, you know, so who's, uh, who's below the cut right now, Louise? At the moment, it is Ryan Blaney minus one because he had issues towards the end of the race where he, a lot, oh, uh, let's just say this, how I would best describe it. Stage one, half the field had problems at stage one alone. Then you had like Ryan Blaney who ultimately failed to finish. He went from what 23 to the good to now minus one going to Marsville. Kyle Bush had hit the wall with a flat tire. He somehow managed to get through. He had no competition towards the barrier. He was four or five laps down. He had a miserable day, which is kind of usual for Kyle Bush at Kansas, except for the couple times he did one, including in the spring. You also. Brad Kislowski, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, and Martin Truex Jr. are behind. Simply put, all the Penske's and Martin Truex Jr. 
Logano cut the gap in half, but it's still nowhere near enough to get him in an ideal spot to make the championship for. He has to win, period. Yeah, I don't think anybody's safe other than Larson. Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott are over 30 points. Should they... They have to finish in the top 15, and they're in the clear no matter what. And stage points are not even factored into this. Yeah, yeah. So they can have an oh, a so-so night, but they'll as long as they're in the top 15, they're safe. They're like the semi-safe drivers right now. But everybody else, not so much. Yeah, well, I mean, finishing the top 15 in Martinsville is a tall order, too. We're talking about a track with a lot of beating and banging, you know. So... You can't, you've got, you've got a gun for the win. Yeah. At this point, you it's pretty much win or nothing for all the Penske drivers. And essentially the Gibbs competitors, not named Denny Hamlin. <laughs> the Gibbs guys not named Denny Hamlin. So, all right. So, well, that's uh is that a night race? You said that is indeed a night race. The Xfinity 500 will be, at, will end at night. So it's going to be quite a race for sure. Yes, it's going to be pushing it when it comes to Sunday night football. Hopefully weather permit looks a little bit good, and hopefully there's no weather problems like at Kansas where they had a 15-minute red flag with the, and all of that, and just hopefully it goes seamlessly. But you never Typically, yeah, those fall yeah. races go seamlessly compared to the spring ones. So. Yeah, but, yeah, but one they, thing, it's going to be cold down there on Saturday and Sunday evening. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, the last the last October race I went to in Martinsville was uh, was brutal. It was, yeah, and then we were sitting on the side of the track where the wind was blowing right right towards us. So, yeah, it uh, it gets chilly in uh, in uh, the mountains of Virginia in um, October. So, all right, you guys, you guys care to pick a winner for Martinsville? I feel like here's the thing about Larson. The mindset is they're going to try to win out, which will, if they do, they'll have 11 wins to the season, which will equal him with Dale Earnhardt's 87 championship, but also David Pearson and Bill Elliott from 73 and 85. They won 11 each that year, but they didn't win the championship. Albeit Pearson was part time, Elliott just had some reliability promise towards the end that Daryl Walter won it. But Larson had a, just a historic day. On top of the fact he won three in a row once again, which was the first since Dale Earnhardt in 87, to win three in a row on two separate occasions in one year. He's already broke, surpassed Jeff Gordon for laps led in a season under the 36-race calendar that has been there for 20 years. But yeah, they're not slowing down anytime soon. And if they win at Marsville or even Phoenix... He's going to become the first runner to win 10 or at least 10 races in a year since Jimmy Johnson in 07. Yeah, I was going to say it's been a minute. Who's the last guy to win four in a row? Four in a row was Jimmy Johnson in 2007. There you go. All but right. Nobody. And here's the thing. If he wins Martinsville and Phoenix, that'll be five in a row. That hasn't been done since Bobby Allison in 1971. And as far as modern era and national touring as a whole, Ron Hornaday in the truck series, he won five in a row as well. Yeah, Hornaday was untouchable in truck series for a while back then, back in the day. All right, so with all that being said. But Lars, you're picking my pick. Okay. It's probably. Okay, you teased me. (laughs) No, I'm just implying that they're in the mindset of winning out. All right, what's your pick? This one's going to be their pick. That's going to be their toughest one. My pick is going to be Truex. Okay. All right. Thank you. That's a long answer to a simple question. But, Louise, I love you, man. 
No, I have to mention all that. Mention all that stuff. I know we kind of, we're kind of like Kansas happened. We're moving on to the next one. I kind of add some tidbits on Larson's performance. I got, yeah, I got you, Richard. Who do you like for Martinsville? I was gonna say Truex, but let's go with Kozlowski. All right, so I will say I'm gonna go with Kyle Busch. And so uh, Xfinity was uh, in action in Kansas as well, right? Austin, yep. uh, our friend Austin, Austin took the win. No, it was Ty Gibbs no. who got his fourth win in the year and pretty much locked up rookie of the year on the Xfinity level over Josh Berry. Okay, well, good for him. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I'd, maybe Austin Cindric was leading when I had to race on for a minute. So yeah, he would. He gives his Cindric battle for a while. The big notable thing is that there was a racing incident involving Sam Mayer with Noah Gregson and Harrison Burton that eliminated both Burton and Gregson, and now they're in a must-win situation. And going into Marsville, nobody is in the championship four. So. Almendinger or Cinder could have a real bad day and they could not, and they could be out of the playoffs at the championship four. So we'll be curious to see what happens that Saturday in the Xfinity race. The truck series, which is on Saturday, sat before the Xfinity race, it's on Saturday compared to the last year being on a Friday night. Barring any issues, it's pretty much looking like all but set, all but locked up for those who are in the top four right now. They're all of them are in double-digit advantage because after what happened at Talladega, I honestly don't see any of the, the Truck Series championship picture changing at all just because of what happened at Talladega and their gaps and the advantage they have over the ones outside looking in unless they so win, and I, and I don't really see that. At this moment, it's probably Sheldon Creed or John Hunter seem Nemechek's title to lose. There's no question about it. Yeah, the interesting thing is that the trucks had almost like a, a month layoff in the, in the, in the, in the middle of their playoffs, which yeah. I, I find that to be odd, although I, I've been their stick even, but this time yeah, I, was gonna say, I heard the speculation end of the year. Yeah. At the end of the year, there's, they, they have a harder time getting a TV window, you know, once the NFL starts, so they pick and choose what they get. I don't know. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but it seems like, you know, while the, I, the other series are, can, you know, the play the playoffs should be boom, 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 one after the other. And, and it used got, to be for trucks, but now yeah. it's not. Which because I, think, they, I think it's a horrible marketing tool. Yeah, because they, their playoffs started in late August and they end in November, but it has so much of a gap. You go from Talladega to Mars, but that is a huge gap. It's like what it was back in the day. It still kind of is that it's true. Or they start the year at Daytona, they got no racing for two months, and they come back to Martinsville for round two. Well, well, I mean, I, I guess it is what it is. So, all right. So, uh, Formula One next, Richard. We're going to Mexico. Mexico is that this coming weekend? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, and there's a little it, bit of trivia. It's, it's at Phoenix weekend, which when I oh, found okay, out it was weeks. sorry. Yeah. Okay, so we got, I got, thought got. it was next week too. Now I realized it's not. I was like, great, I won't be able. To see the finale, I won't be able to see it should things go well at Phoenix on the media end. Well, some trivia for you. Sergio Perez's hometown is closer to the Circuit of the Americas than it is the Mexican Grand Prix. So his home race is actually at Coda, technically. I mean, if you listen to the crowd, that's all I heard. Oh, yeah, was they pretty, yeah, they were pretty... And pretty I, don't popular, how, they? I don't know how Crofty fluffed the idea that that... Because everybody's saying that Sergio's dad. I thought I was Carlos Slim for whatever reason, because... 
keep the telecast were mentioning Carlos Slim is like, you sure that's Carlos Slim? And then found out it was Sergio's dad, but the way he was acting looked like he won the thing. Wow. But I don't well, if it we'll give him a pass on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's yeah, seventh of November is Mexico. Then it's then it's Mexico, Sao Paulo, Qatar, three weeks back to back. Um yeah, so it's, it's going to be a pretty, pretty busy week for the guys flying from Mexico to Brazil to uh, Qatar. But, uh, well, yeah, yeah. That, that Brazil to Qatar, that's quite a flight. Yeah. Mexico. Goes the wrong way around, gain a day back. Oh, there you go. <laughs> gain a day back. It works that way, does it? But, but, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise. Uh, I mean, it, it yeah, works that way on the calendar, but not, <laughs> not, 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 not on your body. No. 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 All right, so Michael Andretti's rumored buyout of Alfa Romeo is still depends on depends on who you read. You got some people saying it's a done deal, other people say it's hit a stumbling block. But there was no announcement at the uh, United States Grand Prix, so uh, all nor, that. Nor Colton Herta running an Alfa Romeo on a Friday. Nope, we didn't see that either. So uh, all that was pure speculation. Uh, you know, how much legs it actually had. I don't know, but, uh, you've got a couple of just different sources for different things. So, but, uh, I, I think that this deal will eventually happen, whether it happens for 2022. I, I don't know. I don't know if Michael needs more capital, but, uh, there are a few folks saying that, uh, the, the family is no longer shareholders, uh, in the team. So we'll just have to, we'll just have to play that one by ear, but uh, I think eventually, this deal will go through and yeah. because there's enough smoke, there's gotta be a fire there. But speaking of yeah, it, it's, it's a little bit concerning that if somebody's turning around, trying to, um, and not put this in a negative light, if he's trying to, you know, scrape the cash together, then if you're trying to scrape the cash together to buy a formula one team, you shouldn't be buying a formula one team. Well, probably not because I, evidently there's like a 50, 50 million a year after that. That has to go to the original owners or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. some weird. Very, uh, yeah, yeah. For yeah, Formula One's a rich man's game, you know. And and Michael Andretti has some money in the bank, but uh, you know, it's not like Gene Haas money or Penske or Ganassi money or Penske. Yeah, you know. Anyway, so speaking of IndyCar, we we had a couple guys testing a barber on Monday or earlier today, really. Uh, of course, you won't hear the show on Thursday, but uh, Ryan Hunter Ray. In the Ed Carpenter car, which is the uh, the car currently occupied by Connor Daly, uh, so Ryan Hunter Ray is you know out of a seat at Andretti, being evaluated by Ed Carpenter as a possible replacement for Connor. Um, I, in my mind, that's an upgrade. I mean, you know, my apologies to all you Colton Herta fans, or I'm not Colton Herta, Connor Daly fans that that love this guy, but. I, you know, he's had a couple of full seasons here and there, and he really hasn't brought the goods. He's, he's got about three good finishes in about 50, 60 starts. Um, Ryan Hunter Ray, conversely, is a season champion, Indy 500 winner. Yeah, he's, he's towards the end of his career or the, the later days of his career, but he's still he got a lot of fire in him. And I think a, uh, Change of venue will do him good. Um, he uh, he tested quite well uh, with the car. I, I didn't hear any comments from uh, Carpenter or Hunter Ray, but the other people present at the test were a certain Mr. Nico Hulkenberg, who was not so much being evaluated by the McLaren team for a seat 
so much as he was evalu- evaluating IndyCar as a career option for himself. Uh, but he did over 100 laps at Barber, and he was the second off of the uh, top times. And the top times were set by um, David uh, David Malukas, who was running the coin car. Uh, that's the uh, guy. Who's, what's his uh, background? Yeah. What's his background? He's, uh, Indy yeah. Lights. He's an Indy Lights okay. right now. Yep. Yeah, he's, uh, he's uh, finished he, he finished second, second to se- second to Kyle Kirkwood in Indy Lights. Um, he's uh, he's an American driver of uh, Lithuanian descent. Um, but yeah, the, the guy's pretty good. He did set the fastest time. Uh, Hunter Ray was second fastest. Um, the other guys there were Kyle Kirkwood and Devlin D. Francesco, who who traded back and forth, um, besting one another's times, and, and they were both in Andretti cars. The you know the hot ticket is that um, Di Francesco is taking over that number twenty nine car that uh, is James Hinchcliffe's ride in twenty one, uh, but Kirkwood obviously he has the Indy Lights scholarship money, which is supposed to guarantee him a minimum of three starts, including the Indy five hundred. Now Kirkwood and Di Francesco both drive for. Michael Andretti in Indy Lights, and Michael would like to retain both these guys. He just doesn't have enough, you know, full-time entries to do that unless he were to put a fifth full-time entry in there. Um, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, but Michael wants to retain Kirkwood. It's 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 a it's a bit of a struggle there. I think De Francesco actually has a little more money to bring to the table uh, than. Kirkwood's Indy Life Scholarship. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But Kirkwood could easily take his money to somebody else. Could be Coin. Could be, well, not really Ray Hall now because we not got Ray, yeah. one new drive. We got Long, no, yeah, Longard in one of those seats. That's the 30 that was driven previously by Takuma Sato. Right. And Jack Harvey's in a 45. And obviously, you got to put your money on. Graham Rahal for retaining his ride in the 15. I think it's pretty much established that he's in the 15. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just being silly. Um, yeah, but um, uh, there's another seat or two out there that are a little bit up in the air. That uh, The maybe- 14 Ford car, but that's been linked more to Tatiana Calderon. Obviously, Bourdais is going to run full-time IMSA next season. Right. And if he were to run a couple of IndyCar schedules, that he'll like it to be with Foyt. Right. And, of course, you know, Yukos has uh, signed Callum Eilat, but Yukos has also stated their intent to run a two-car team next year. So Kirk would theoretically take his money over to Yukos. Could happen or... Could if, happen, yep. Or there's also... you got to think also, McLaren, if they have the sponsorship money, they would like to go to three if that's an option as well. And, and I got to wonder, I'm sure Hulkenberg can scrape together some, you know, European sponsors to, to bring on board uh, or at least, you know, attract some sponsors with his name. If, if he chooses that, uh, that's what he'd like to do. You know, again, he's still, he's still playing a little coy, and he just wants to see if he likes the IndyCar is I want to see if I like this. Um, but uh, you know, it looked like he uh, he did pretty well. He was pretty pretty smooth around the course. 
Um, I think it'll suit his driving style. Well, uh, I, you know, if, if you look at guys, the other guys that have come over like Erickson and Grosjean, I think Hulkenberg will fit right in and, and be competitive off the bat, particularly if he's in a McLaren car. Cause that, that team is, uh, you know, got a pretty good track record right now. No, for sure. He'll finally get that, lo- that major open real podium. That's been, that is, that eluded him hor- horrifically in formula one. Horrifically, because he's <laughs> never scored a podium, never got that podium in Formula One. In spite of having some tremendous runs in F one, even and yet I still stand that before going to Red Bull, that was Perez's best teammate he got. Because obviously, when he was when he had Ocon, that was an absolute dumpster fire, and he it was Stroll. It is what it was. It was what it was, but. That's besides the point, but yeah, I'm hope if he joins IndyCar, I think the question will be: Would he be keen to running the ovals? That'll be the big question because if he runs the ovals, you're talking about a stacked rookie of the year battle for the 500, and also the season as a whole. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you look at you know, because you're gonna have um, obviously Callum Island in there, um, David Francesca if he picks up that ride. Uh, if Hulkenberg comes in, he'll he'll be a rookie, and um, Kirkwood obviously, if he gets more than the three starts, he can contend for Rookie of the Year honors. But yeah, you got uh, IndyCar twenty twenty two is shaping up to be pretty fun. Just, no, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's just a question of just those final bits of pieces because we're really coming down to the final bits of pieces and who, as far as the twenty twenty two roster is concerned. Yeah, and again, to your point, the uh, the Foyt and Carpenter cars are the two ones up in the air, and the Carpenter, you know, it's I don't same way, same with Coin as well because oh, Coin's, on, Coin's always up in the air, yeah, so. yeah, because that eighteen team is more is pretty much more likely to have a completely different driver. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Ed Jones will be back. Uh, I mean, you do have Santino Ferrucci is still out there, you know. Been a bit quiet though, hasn't it? That one lately. Been a bit quiet, yeah, yeah. So, but he he can be certainly. I mean, he he driven for coin, uh, you know. Prior, you know, he drove that eighteen car prior to Ed Jones. Uh, his uh, he's been running some Xfinity. Uh, he may want to take his whole career there, but I think he enjoys uh, IndyCar, especially the ovals, especially the five hundred where he's performed well. So, I mean, he's a guy that you got to look at. Takuma Sato was still you know, kind of uh, has no solid plans that we know of. Um, but, uh, you know, but I was wondering about the Carpenter car and I'm wondering if the, the Air Force sponsorship is out the door or uh, if it's because some folks have suggested that it's kind of linked to Connor Daly, but, uh, you know, military sponsorships have a kind of an interesting history in, in racing. You know, you remember the National Guard? National Guard was everywhere for a while. He had a National Guard, you know, dragster, stock car, and Indy car, right? And then all of a sudden, they decided to, you know, through their meetings of the wh- whoever's in charge of the National Guard, they, they, they decided sports sponsorships were not their best avenue for recruiting, and they just pulled all that money at once. And this is after you had to, you know, maybe you had the famous uh, court case between uh, Panther Racing and Ray Hall Racing saying they stole the National Guard sponsorship from us. And then the National Guard just pulled out and they said, ah, 
all y'all keep it. And then, then suddenly the air force comes in on a part-time basis and then, then on a full-time basis. And then the space force jumps on for, you know, a one-off. And I don't even know if we still have a space force, <laughs> you know, or if they have a budget anymore due to changes in the administration. So I, I, I kind of wonder if, you know, administration changes at the top of the U S government would affect sports sponsorships coming from the air force. And I don't know if Ryan Hunter Ray has some money to bring to the game. My guess is no, uh, he may find a few minor sponsors here and there. Uh, but I I'll bet that he could probably scrounge up more than Connor Daly. And yeah, here- we, yeah, well, it's just a matter of we'll see what happens because I know we talked about that if the Air Force decides to stick around with Ed Carpenter Racing and then they sign on with Ryan Hunter, right? It fits their criteria of having an American driver being represented in the sponsorship side of things. Well, certainly, and Ryan Hunter Ray is a guy whose nickname is Captain America, you know. Yeah, it's just. It's, it's like one of those. Yeah, you take you make that opportunity happen as best as best as possible. It writes itself from a yeah, marketing it, standpoint. But, but you kind of got to wonder how the the Air Force is, you know, really wanting an American driver. Uh, but the, you know, the uh, National Guard was fine with Vitor Mira and Dan Weldon. That is true. Yeah. So I mean, it's just. But I mean, you know, Air Force and National Guard are two different branches of the military. So, mm-hmm. and then the other thing that surprised me. Uh, was when they announced Jack Harvey for the 45 because I had read a couple of different published reports that um, High V, one of their stipulations what they had that, that they needed an American driver in that car, which is kind of why I was thinking, yeah, you know, ask you or Ferrucci and that Harvey would be in the 30. Now, all of a sudden, Harvey's in the High V car and Lungard's in the, you know, in the, in the 30. So I got to wonder, maybe they just tried to, Hey, Jack Harvey. Yeah. They pawned him off as an American to Ivy. You know, he name name sounds pretty American compared to Christian Lundgaard. I don't know. I'm just being, I'm just being goofy. Yeah, probably. And it's just, let's not forget when Lundgaard drove the 45 at the road course in August, it was my Jack. It was not Ivy on the car. Right. And my Jack is the company that is owned by Mike Lanigan. Yeah, so one of, the, one of the team owners. Yeah, so yes, Ivy didn't even. I, I guess you know. I I think that's where the rumor started that they really wanted nothing to do with a driver that was not an American. Although suddenly, Jack Harvey's their boy. Yeah, I think it's more or less of what they had planned and what they had in mind as far as number of races that were going to ha- run. And then I guess the lug guard must have been just not on the cards. But they felt like they needed to get Lungard out there to see how he does. So they just scrapped up whatever they could as sponsorships just to have decided to put my check under. I think that's what it really mo- that's kind of where I stand on that. Yeah, more yeah. Or less. I, I agree. I was see it surprised me that Hyvie wanted to because I, I had contended all along that that Hyvie, you know, wanted to just kind of sponsor in their own market where they have supermarkets. Mm-hmm. You know, and you wouldn't see them on a West Coast Coast, but but they're they're all in for a full season. And, and again, Jack Harvey, despite the fact that he's not an American, is a highly marketable guy. He's, he's, he's very likable. He's very active on social media. 
he, he's a darn good qualifier. Uh, we just need to if we get him a better race strategist, he'd probably be a race winner. So I, I think that uh, it was probably easy sell to the Hy-Vee folks is, hey, this is Harvey guy. He's the deal, man. You'll, you, you'll be happy with him. And I think they will be happy with him at the end of the day. I think this is a great opportunity for Jack Harvey. No, absolutely. And I think it's a big season coming up for him because for the lack of better terms outside of Graham, he's, he's basically trying to build that third car up to where they can be on par with Ray Hall and the 30 team, which will be Lundgaard who too is going to try to keep the ball rolling at that team, how Sato was able to do from 18 to 20 and a little bit of 21, but mostly 18 through 20 when he was able to win races, Sato. Yeah, I think Sato won three three or four races. He won in Portland 18, won Barber and Gateway 19. And Gateway, and then Indianapolis. So he won four races uh, since, and Graham Rail hadn't won a race since 15. Since I think Texas, it was a Texas race where he where he uh, the, him and him the, and uh, him and Hinchcliffe crossed the line pretty close together. Yeah, where they made a big deal how he accelerated prematurely, how it would have how that also affected aerodynamically. Had he done it a little bit earlier, he would have probably lost due to that arrow <laughs> because of his premature celebration and like how it affects the cantilever of the car and all of that. It's, oh, that's that sounds ridiculous. So it kind of hey. does. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, uh, we are out of time. We'll have to see how all that plays out. But it'd be interesting to see. I just was, I, I was kind of wondering what uh, Ryan Hunter Ray had up his sleeve and testing the carbon car. You know that 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 uh, yeah that shows that he's got a couple irons in the fire. Uh, there's still some interest out there in him. I think he's still got a lot to give. And uh, even if it's at uh, the expense of Connor Daly, who may lose a ride. Uh, I'm, uh, I'd be happy to see uh, Ryan Hunter Ray in the Carpenter car. But with that being said, we are out of time. So, Richard, final thought from you? I think that we, uh, you know, we, we sort of we've, we touched on this before. How uh, you know we've got to savor these last five races in Formula One, starting Mexico in a couple of weeks, and uh, and really, really embrace what we have uh, have in front of us as the rest of the racing calendars sort of wind down around the world uh you know give hopefully a chance for Formula one to stand uh, stand as a stand apart and we can you know enjoy five more you know races to the standard that we saw in austin this last weekend that would be fantastic now louise final thought from you i think honestly at the end of the day when it comes down to it this form, this F1 championship is is far more compelling than what we're seeing on the three national touring divisions right now, but in NASCAR, and because you have like we talked about generational talent. But I will say this: Max winning a Coda might have been the step to where he's was getting to that championship that he's he's been overdue for. If he delivers big in Mexico and Brazil, you probably can write the championship in favor of Max big time. I certainly feel like it, uh, Austin was a tremendous confidence builder for Max coming out of there. Uh, you know, to see, he's only holding off the probably the best guy in Formula One ever, you know, judging by his record alone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, fantastic drive for both those guys. Um, but yeah, we're out of time. So I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank Spreaker, iHeartRadio, um, iTunes, Google Podcasts. And I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank you, Louise. 
But most of all, I want to thank you folks that listen to us every week. But until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.